you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. So we've been going through this segment of Scripture for several weeks. Uh, we have covered uh, the first couple types of ground that Jesus talked about in Mark chapter 4. He's talking to us about how the Word comes into our life as seed. And one of the words that the Lord spoke to us during this was never underestimate the power of a seed, whether that's a seed, that a, a word, a thought that He has planted in you, or whether it's seed that you're planting in somebody else's life through your words, your actions, your prayers, never underestimate the power of that seed to be life-changing in you or in somebody else's life. And so we're, we're still working with that. And, and Jesus um, came and he, he gave this example to his disciples and he talked about the word of God being sown into our hearts and our hearts being like soil and the condition of the soil determining how much that seed could produce. And I'll say this again this morning, all through this parable, the seed never changes. It's never a problem with the seed. It's never a problem with the word of God. If it's not producing in our life, it's because something needs to be adjusted on the inside of us. And he gave us several examples of that. The first one was just some people that are just hard-hearted and, and the word can't make any progress into their heart at all. And it just lays up on the surface. And he, he pointed out that the devil will come in and just steal it out of your life so that it can't produce in you. And we're just closed off to what God would say about something in our lives. And the second kind of soil was about, and we, we spent some time on that a couple of weeks, was what he called rocky soil. And we talked about that for a couple of weeks. There's a whole lot more we could have said about that. But but that's where it's a shallow relationship with the Lord. It's a shallow, um, a shallow heartedness, you know, where where the word is not able to put down roots in us. We are not putting down roots in the word. We talked about that Excess, not excessively, but we talked about it a lot. And so if you weren't here for those couple of weeks, I'd really encourage you to get the podcast or watch the video on our website or, or whatever, but, but pick that up. There was a lot of stuff uh, that we talked about in there that was really valuable. And so today we're coming to verse 18. And so this is the third kind of soil that we've looked at. And Jesus said in verse 18, now these are the ones sown among thorns, they're the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Let me um, change versions here since that's not what you have on your screen. So I want, to note, I want you to notice a few things right away. Uh, we'll just lay these out at the very beginning of this. He says, still others like seeds sown among thorns. So notice that the thorns are already there. And then the seed is sown among thorns. It says they hear the word. That is that Greek word that means these people do hear the right way. They hear with the intent to obey. 
Okay, they hear with the ear of the mind, it says in the Greek. Okay, so they are hearing the word. They're not rejecting it. They're not, you know, in the last kind of soil, they received and welcomed it with joy, but fell away right away. Okay, these people are actually hearing the word, but the word's coming into a condition in their heart that restricts its ability to grow. And it says here from the NIV, it says they hear the word, but that's always an indicator when the word, the Bible says, but, okay, they're hearing the word. That's a good thing. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things come in and choke the word and make it unfruitful. Okay, that chokes the word. Let me read it to you from the Passion Translation. It says, what is sown among thorns represents those who hear the message, but they allow, I like that, they allow the cares of this life, the seduction of wealth, and the desire for other things to crowd out and choke the message so that it produces nothing. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about good seed, coming into a condition where there are already some things working in their hearts that are not conducive to that seed growing. All right, this is just like if you decided to plant a garden and you didn't deal with the weeds before you planted the garden. You just sowed into the ground without ever getting rid of those weeds, okay? And we all know that weeds and thorns is actually the the context here, are really hardy, okay? They grow. And the other thing is, as the soil of our hearts gets better, the next verses he's going to talk about, here's how good soil works. Well, one thing about good soil is it will produce whatever you plant in it. It'll produce weeds, it'll produce thorns, it'll produce a good crop. So there's an issue here, again, always, about what we do about what's going on in our hearts. And essentially what we're seeing here is when we all come to Christ with some thorns growing, okay? We have worldly ideas, we have worldly patterns, we have ungodly things that, I mean, it doesn't have to be a huge sin, it doesn't have to be, we just have, we've grown up in the world and we've been molded by the world, And so this is why after we come to the Lord that the Holy Spirit starts to work in us to remodel our minds, change the way that we think and believe and understand the world and all of that. This is what he does. From the time we are born again till the time we see him face to face, he will be working in our hearts, dealing with some of these thorns and weeds that were in there from the way we were raised and, you know, just from life, okay? So, What we are essentially seeing here is an undisciplined thought life because we come with some thorns, okay, and the Lord will begin to deal with those. He'll begin to weed that garden of our, the seedbed of our heart. Our heart is the seedbed he created for his word and he'll start working that. So we have to let him do that. But then we have we have the world trying to pour thorn seeds into our life 24-7. 
So we have a responsibility about caring for the soil of our hearts and continuing basically to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's the one that's doing the remodeling. He's the one, he will choose what issues in our life, what what beliefs that need to move, what unbelief needs to move, what uh, what sin issues to deal with, just all of these different things, things where we have a secular perspective instead of a godly or biblical perspective, and we don't even know it yet. He will choose. He will disciple you. He will work with you. He is a great gardener, and he will deal with those things along the way. But we have the responsibility to cooperate with him. We have the responsibility to present ourselves to him, to spend time with him, to spend time in his word, to say yes to what he is saying and doing to us and through us and in us. We have that responsibility. And what we're seeing here is that the Lord begins to deal with this. The word comes in at the beginning and there's already thorns there and he starts to deal with that. But then over time, this is just like if you plant a garden out here, And you go through and you clean out all the weeds, you know, and you do a great job and you till up that soil and you put good nutrients in it and you're watering, you're doing all that. And it's like, where did these weeds come from? They blew in from some, from the outside. I mean, this, this is the world in which we live. We see images, we hear, we hear secular worldview in almost everything we do. And we've got to be sharp and we've got to be, again, mainly we've got to be cooperative with the Holy Spirit to where when we're hearing something or, you know, and again, we've got a lot of sources these days. We've got a lot of sources presented to us. Some of those sources in our lives just need to be cut off. And it's not the same for everybody. You may need to get off of social media and somebody else may be able to be on social media, but not let a lot of that garbage in. You may need to get off social media and be able to go back to it in five years where you, when you've grown up a little bit. You may need to get off the news. You may need to get out of some relationships and, and just set aside some friendships that are always pouring negative stuff into your life. That's our responsibility. And the Lord will show you. We don't have to go out there with a machete and just start whacking everything in our life. We just need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. When something doesn't sit right, you know, there's a lot. And I'll just use the news as an example. It's not that the information itself is necessarily bad or wrong. It's the context in which 99% of it is presented to us today. It's presented by a corporation that needs to make money. TV is expensive. And so they want to present things that draw you into listening to. I mean, that in itself is not, that's, that's okay, you know, that's business. But so they'll use things like fear. They'll use things like division. They'll use things to try and get you to listen to their channel. And I got to say, Christian channels do it too, as well as secular channels. It's how they do business. And it's getting more and more and more that way. So you just have to be aware. And if something in your life, in your heart, if it produces fear in you, if it produces anger in you toward other people, if it produces unforgiveness, if it produces things that are ungodly, you got to cut off the source. 
you, for at least for a while, you've got to go to the Lord because otherwise your garden is just going to fill up with weeds and thorns again. Okay, this is just this isn't this is just the world in which we live. This is how it is. Can you do you you getting what I'm saying this morning? Okay, so there's a big responsibility here, and really, what we're seeing if we have this stuff continuing in our life and just continuing in our life, it's because we have an undisciplined thought life. It's because we're not choosing to think on the things of God and not think on the things of the world, okay? And the Holy Spirit will help us to recognize the difference because it's not always uh, real obvious on the outside, okay? Jesus mentions three specific heart conditions. Two I'm just going to deal with. You know, he talks about the deceitfulness. This translation said the deceitfulness of wealth. It really should say the deceitfulness of riches. We've always differentiated between the two because the Bible says it's actually God who gives us the ability to produce wealth. Um, God is not against wealth. and But when the Bible talks about wealth, it's talking about wealth in every area, not just financial, but it does include financial. Okay, But it basically means to do well in every area, to have things working relationally and financially and just in all the areas of our life. And, and, and there is a, a specifically with riches, which does speak just of money and finances and could be properties, could be a lot of different things. Um, with riches, Jesus uses this term here, there's a deceitfulness, there's a seductive portion. And what it is, is it's trying to get you to depend on money or properties or, you know, things, material wealth for your livelihood, for your, to be okay, for your future. It's all about your, what you have. Okay. And that's a lie that money can't keep you. Sometimes, you know, look at history. Sometimes the money people have just goes away, you know, because the government changes or whatever. And people who were wealthy are no longer. We can't trust in riches. We can use them and use them well, but just understand there's a deceitfulness to it. It will try and try and draw you into putting your faith in the wrong place, essentially. So he does mention that. He mentions this passionate desire for other things. Essentially, that's idolatry. It's just wanting other things more than you want to walk with God. I mean, that's what it is. It's a passionate desire. And that can be focused down to, man, I really wish I had the snowblower that my neighbor has. Or it can be just, just a general, there's just a lot of other things in life that I want. And so it's a priority thing. You know, God, his word and what he has for me, it's just not that important. I love God, but it's kind of, you know, my walk with God's just a little compartment over here, and then there's the rest of my life. It's that kind of thing. Jesus warns about those two, but the one I want to talk to you most about this morning is this, this idea of the worries of this life, okay? And let me give you a couple other definitions real quickly before we go there. It says that these things can come in and choke the word. That word choke means to suffocate by physically choking someone. All right, so that's an aggressive action. These, these other things are not passive. They want to choke the word. 
out of your life. Just like the devil will come in and steal the word. Just like if, if, you're, if you just have a shallow relationship with him, it'll be easy for the word to be taken out of your life. In this case, it's talking about these other hard attitudes and thought, thought life that we can have that come in to physically attack your relationship with the word and choke the life out of it. That word choke means uh, kind of the, the bottom line meaning is to press in upon or suffocate by crowding. Okay, we've seen we've all seen situations where people literally suffocated because, you know, there was a fire in a building or something like that, and they just there was such a mob of people they couldn't breathe. It's talking about real crowded conditions in our thought life and in our heart. We've got so many things we're carrying around our heart that there's just not much room for the word of God. We've got to make room for the word of God. Weeds, thorns will choke out other plants that you want to grow. It's one of the things they'll do. They'll take the light, they'll take the nutrients, they'll take the water, they'll just crowd in and they will choke other plants out. And those plants will die. That's the picture here. So it's, so it's what we need to think about is my heart so crowded with the concerns of life, with the, the whole idea of, of money and preparing for my future, which the, the thing is, the Bible even teaches us that. I mean, it's a good thing to be prepared for your future. It's a good thing to be saving for your kid's college. It's a good thing. You know, all of those different things that we can think about, and those are good things, but not when they start choking out the word of God in your life, not when they become more important than what God is doing. If your job is more important to you than what God is calling you to do, it's going to choke out the word. Does this make sense to you? Okay, so it's choking. It's, a, it's, it's almost, a, it's a physical attack, but it's pressing in upon and suffocating by crowding. Our hearts have sort of a limited capacity. You only have so much room for what is really important to you in life. We only have so much room. We all feel this from time to time. I just can't, I can't handle anymore. And keep God and his word and his time and my involvement with him in the earth. I can't take this on and keep that where it needs to be. So I've got a decision to make. Am I going to take this on? Or am I going to set that aside because God and what he is doing is a higher priority? Okay, You can't do everything. You can't have everything. And, and the world wants to tell us we are supposed to have everything. You're supposed to have popularity. You're supposed to have money. You're supposed to be pretty. You're supposed to be skinny. You're supposed to be this. You're supposed to be that. You've got to have it all. You've got to be popular. You've got to have a great presence on, on whatever the latest, you know, I'd say Instagram, but that's old already, whatever they're into now, you know, you got to have all this stuff. You can't have all of that going on in here. This is just the way it works. And have the word producing in your heart. Can you agree with that? Okay, two of you, that's good. Excellent. If I can reach two, I have succeeded. Um, no, I'm just teasing you. So, so we've just got to we've just got to understand some of this, okay? And and just finally, this word thorns. You know, when we think about thorns. We were just in New Mexico, and Utah, and uh, you know, goat heads. Everybody know what a goat head is? 
were just high enough to not have them here. But they are the nastiest little thorny seed thing that they were not in the garden. All that stuff came in after the fall. But anyway, it was like one day we we were, uh, actually, we were just in Monte Vista that day. And anyway, we had walked, and, and so we'd picked up goat heads on our shoes. Well, then they get dropped off in our motel room and stepped on by our bare feet later. You know, they're thorns. They stick to things. They hurt, and they get easily distributed. I think of burrs the same way. Burrs, uh, you know, they get on you, and they get distributed. That's how they distribute their seed. If this stuff is growing in us, it's going to get on our friends and family and coworkers and everybody else. We can't let this stuff grow in us. We've got a responsibility to other people not to be not only being hurt by the thorns, not only having the word choked, but we start carrying it with us. They're thorns. Okay, this is this is just how this stuff works. So, so let's look at what what. Uh, Let's look at this. I'm, I want to look at this first piece, worries of this life, because I think it's something, it might be worse today for us than it's ever been that I know of uh, in history. And and when it says, uh, in the translation we read, it said worries of this life, the literal translation there is cares of the age. Cares of the age. So So there's a part of this, the cares that we carry, or the, or I really think it's it's not so much the cares that we carry because the cares that we have today fundamentally are the same as the cares that people had in the 1800s, okay, or the 1700s, the 1600s. They they could carry cares about their kids, cares about their future, cares about their spouse, their family, cares about the direction their world was taking, any of those things. They carry weights, cares, worries, concerns, anxiety about any of those things. We just have, this is my opinion, I think we just have more conveyors of the same cares. They look a little different on the outside. Technology has sped up what comes in to our lives. And there again, we just have to be wise with that and use it well. But so it but it is these are worries and cares and anxieties that belong to the age in which we live. Okay? So, you know, starting 50, 60 years ago, what is it, 70, 80 years ago now, you know, all of a sudden there were nuclear weapons, all of a sudden there were atomic bombs, all of a sudden there were things that nobody worried about before that, but now they were there. People worried about dying. People worried about an army coming in and taking over their their place and killing them all. But now it came in a different package. You see what I mean? So so some of this is relevant to just the age in which we live. But fundamentally, we just have a higher exposure to cares. And again, you know, depending on what you look at and listen to, you can have a huge, I know people that are, in a constant state of anxiety because of what they watch and listen to and read. And that's a problem. That is a problem. This is the first one that Jesus mentions, cares of this life. So let me describe that to you. This this term cares, it speaks of an anxious 
care. It is a worry that pulls our attention off of God and his promises and onto the problem. It draws us to focus on, uh, so it becomes a distraction. And the Amplified Bible brings that out. These are distractions of the age. Some of that is just, you know, we've got lots of things to watch, lots of things to do, lots of people to connect with, lots of places to go. Some of that is a distraction, but this is talking more about anxiety. It's talking more about worries. This term means a sense of extreme uneasiness of mind. It speaks of a brooding fear, just sort of an underlying anxiety that just goes on and on. You just have this sense of being anxious, concerned uh, about any number of things. This type of anxiety generally typically comes because of an upcoming event, something that's coming, and, and it, so it hasn't happened yet. It's something that's coming, and there's a threat toward our future. We don't know how that's going to work out. We don't know how that's going to happen. We're concerned about what, what's that going to do to me? What's that going to do to my family? What's that going to do to my life? And it causes this continuous concern in our hearts. And it's because there's an uncertain outcome. So notice this. The event hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened. Okay? And the outcome is uncertain. Man, we have a lot of this stuff that goes on. And a lot of this stuff that we hear. And again, news sources. I don't mean to just keep pointing to that, but it's an obvious one. They want you to be concerned because then you'll tune in again tomorrow, okay? And you'll watch their commercials. We have a mute button, by the way. Anyway, um, that was a God thing when mute buttons came out on remotes. Anyway, um, you know, it's just one source. You might have people in your life that every time you're with them, they're concerned, they're worried. It is not noble and it is not loving for you or me to pick up and agree with the worries of another person. We think, that's, we think that's noble. Some of us grew up in an environment of worry where that was held up as it, it, was, it was equated with caring. I worry about you because I care. I worry about you. I worry about this. I worry about that because I care. That's not the best way to care for someone. And what we need to do in those situations is help that person overcome their fear. Because there are always going to be things out there that we don't know the outcome of. But we do know who Jesus is. We do know what he has done for us. We do know who holds us, right? I don't know who holds the future, but I know who... Is that the way that goes? (laughs) But I know... I don't know what the future holds, but I know who holds the future. I got it. It just took a little while. Um... So this is, this is apprehension. This is nervousness. This is continued low-level fear that dominates your thoughts and directs your actions, okay? This is what keeps you awake sometimes at night. Sometimes there are other things, but if you're laying awake at night. So, so what is this? Here's the, here's the issue about this. Worry, we'll just use the term worry. It is a dedicated enemy to your hope. 
Okay, think about it with me. What is worry? It is meditating on, imagining. What's the Bible definition? Rolling it over and over and over in your mind. That's meditating on it. Allowing it to paint a picture in your heart. Okay, speaking it, letting it come out of your mouth. That's what the Bible calls meditation. And the Bible tells us to meditate the word day and night. Okay, worry is the exact same thing in the opposite. It is thinking on the negative, thinking on essentially a lie that the devil is telling you that is contradictory to the word of God. It's allowing that to run. Well, what if this happens? What if that happens? Man, I couldn't, you know, we had this conversation and letting it run. And then you start to, you start to define that undefined outcome in your own heart. That is a weed. That is a thorn growing in your heart that if you allow it, if I allow it, it will choke out the word that's trying to grow and produce in our hearts. I mean, a simple one is, this, the scripture says, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, that's the promise. My God will supply all of my needs, according to not what I can do, not my job, not any of that, his riches in glory by Christ Jesus, okay? But my mind is saying, well, what if my job does this? What if it does that? What if my boss does this or does that? Man, the economy just stinks, you know, this, that. Look at how much gas is, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And we're thinking about it, and we are determining an outcome that is contrary to what God's word says. You have to choose which one are you going to let grow in your heart. And how do you do it? How do, how do I deal with those weeds? We'll get there in just a second. So hope is the exact opposite of that, right? Hope is expectation, confident, joyful anticipation of good on the way. So I'm either, you cannot have hope and worry existing in the same place at the same time. They can't. They're opposites. They're absolute opposites. And the Bible tells us that hope is the track that faith runs on. It is the form that faith fills with reality. So if we're not hoping, number one, we're going to be miserable people. Number two, we're, we're not going to have faith and confidence in God. All right, so worry, if, if you're a worrier, I'm not coming down on anybody. I'm saying a lot of us, we grew up in an environment where worry was just the way it was. I mean, mom worried all the time. Grandma worried all the time. Dad worried all the time. I'm not saying that my parents weren't so much that way, but I'm just saying many of us grew up in that. Many of us, there's this, there's this environment, this, a lot of times it's family environment where that's how we show that we love you as we worry about you. Well, that's a shame because worry is a form of fear. It is an outgrowth of fear. It's an active fear in our hearts. So we need to see it as an enemy. So I've only got a few minutes left. How do we overcome it? How do we get it out? Because this is not an easy habit to break once you develop it. This is not an easy habit to break, okay? Because again, it can feel can feel like you're caring about things. You can care deeply about something. You can recognize a problem and work on a solution without moving into fear about it, without allowing yourself to develop fear about it. 
Okay, so number one, you've always got to recognize fear, every form of fear, including anxiety, worry, agitation. That's an enemy to your soul. It's an enemy to your faith. And you've got to recognize it that way. If you start to let fear into one place, it will spread just like weeds. You can't. Okay, I'm going to let the weeds grow over here in this corner of my garden. You're nuts. They will not stay there. I guarantee it. They will spread. Okay. So, you, so you've got to deal the same way with fear and anxiety and worry. You've got to break this habit. I have not looked this up for myself, but I trust the people I've heard it from. The Bible apparently tells us, it's so interesting, 365 times in the scripture, do not fear or do not worry. It's said in different, maybe not those three words, okay? But said in different ways. Don't worry, don't fear, have, take no care, you know, all kinds of ways. 365, does that number ring a bell with you? 365 times. Why? Because we have reason to worry every single day. And we need the fresh word of God 365 times. Never give fear a foothold. Just don't accommodate it. Don't shelter it saying, well, I'm just being wise. Well, be wise. But if really you're just being fearful, don't pretend that's, don't give it a spiritual title. It's a bad habit. Well, I'm just praying. Are you? Praying is good. Praying is very good. But if all you're doing is worrying before God, that's not really prayer, okay? That's not, it's, it's fine to take your worries to God a couple times. Then you pick up his promise and you start kicking the devil's butt with his promises. You start speaking his word over what is worrying you. Does this make sense to you? We declare the end from the beginning. We speak what doesn't exist yet. That's how God does it. Okay, so don't give it a foothold. Things happen. Things, scary things happen. There are scary things in the world, and you can recognize them as that's pretty scary, but don't let it plant a seed in your heart. Come back with the word. Come back with God's promise. Meditate on God's promise. Does this make sense to you? Okay. Limit your exposure to sources of fear and worry. And you have to let the Holy Spirit tell you what those are in your word, in your life, in your world. Okay. Because they might be different for somebody else. Somebody else might be able to, you know, watch whatever and it not affect their hearts. But if you can't, don't do it. I mean, just don't do it. Not if you care about that that garden, okay? You getting anything out of this? If you grew up in a worry environment, all right, recognize that's not demonstrating love, all right? A- actively fight thoughts and images that produce worry and replace them with the promises of God. We'll see this in the scripture in just a minute, all right? Remember that not all thoughts are your thoughts. This applies in so many areas of our life. There is a demonic world out there that wants to steal the word or choke the word out of your life. And they come with thoughts that are contrary. They question God. They question, you know, we just sang this morning a lot about how much God loves us and how faithful he is. We have to be grounded in that. 
the antidote to every kind of fear is knowing, knowing the love of God in our hearts, knowing that he is faithful, knowing that no, nothing can steal me out of his hand, knowing that he not only has my eternity, but he has my future on, on this planet too. We have to, in fact, I wrote it down this way, worry cannot live in a house that's built on God's loving care for you. It can't live in that garden. Not when it is filled with a, with a bottom line understanding and deep-rooted belief that the Lord loves me, he cares for me, and I can trust him. All right. So sometimes that's what we need to build. That's the nutrient that we need to get into the soil of our hearts a lot of times. And, and you know, your brain, well, the devil will help, but your brain might, you know, argue with that. Well, I, I committed this sin or I did this or, or I didn't see this prayer answered, so God must not love me. No, no, no. You take the word, you look at what Jesus did for every one of us. He fully acted out the love of God for us. There's no question about it. He did it while we were yet sinners. While we didn't know him at all, he did it. 100% he did it. I'll just give you two scriptures. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. Why? For he cares about you with the deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. You can only really cast your cares over on him when you know how much he cares for you, all right? It's just a huge key. First John chapter 4, verse 18. First John 4, 18, it says, there is no fear in love, okay? There is no fear in love. So there's a lot of ways we could take that. Dread does not exist, the Amplified says, but perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear. All right, so any worry, and again, you can care. We're supposed to care about things. We're supposed to have a plan. We're supposed to plan for the future. We're supposed to combat things. We're supposed to recognize good and evil. We're supposed to deal with many things in life. We don't have to do that from a place of fear. Does this make sense to you? We don't have to do it. Don't let fear in, all right? Um, If you have your Bible there, we're just gonna look at these verses and we'll be done. Over in Philippians chapter 4, we get such good instruction about this here. Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. Okay, and I have this up on your screen from the Amplified Bible because it really amplifies it very, very well here. So, beginning in in, uh, verse... Is this verse 4? I think this is verse 6. I just have it written down wrong in my notes here. Verse 6. It says, do not be anxious or worried about anything. Yeah, but my kids, don't be worried or anxious about anything. Doesn't say don't care. It says don't be anxious or worried about anything. Yeah, but my kid's making this decision. Oh, but this is happening. Don't be worried. God wouldn't say this if his grace wasn't there to back it up for us to do it. This is impossible for us in our flesh. But every promise God makes, it's not as a challenge to us to make it happen. He's not saying this and then standing back like this. When you accept 
an instruction from the Lord, when you accept it, even though you can't see it, you don't know how you're going to get there. When you accept it, grace follows it to bring it to pass. Grace, God's ability follows it to bring it to pass in you. So do not be anxious or worried about anything, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, that is so important, continue to make your specific requests known to God. All right? So we're... So that's the first thing. We are going to take things to the Lord, all right? But we are going to take them to the Lord in faith. We're going to pray. We're going to make petition. We're going to, that's asking type prayer. But we're going to do it with thanksgiving. We are going to have in our heart, well, I'm so thankful, Father, for your faithfulness. I'm so thankful for your promises. I am so thankful that this thing that has me concerned right now is not on the same level with you. It is temporary. It is of this earth. It will leave because of your promises. Okay? So yeah, we're praying about it, but we're not just worrying before God. We're coming by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Continue to make those requests known to God. And here's what happens. The peace of God, that peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours or will be yours. Peace will follow. We should, if we're going into prayer and we're coming out of prayer just as worried as when we went in, you know, I don't know a better way to say it. We're not doing it right. Okay, we're missing a piece in there. We should be able to come out with peace. Then when you get out of peace, you go back, go back to the beginning go through it again, okay? Because he has peace for us. Let's just finish this up. You still with me? Okay. So then it goes on. It says, finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there's any excellence, we can find some excellence somewhere. If there's anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things. That's an enormous key, but only if we do it. Look at that list. You should go home and I should go home and look at this list throughout this week. What am I thinking about? We talked at the beginning, if we're having weeds continually in that garden, choking out the word of God, it's because we have an undisciplined thought life. It's because we are thinking on the wrong things. And this is a great list because sometimes it's hard, you know, it's, I love the way it comes down, you know, there's all these good things. And that says, if there's any excellence, well, sometimes that's how it feels. Lord, show me some excellence. I need to see it. It's there somewhere. Just show it to me and I'll start thinking on that instead of all this garbage I've been thinking about. Instead of thinking about corruption, instead of thinking about, I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying live with your head in the sand. I'm just saying, are you thinking continually about corruption and that corruption, whether it's in society or the government or, or your neighbor or your wife or whatever it is, are you meditating on that? And that's producing fear and anxiety and unrest and anger and unforgiveness and bitterness and all these things. Stop thinking on that. Find some excellence 
Let's start thinking about it. Start rejoicing in it. If there's anything worthy of praise, there's something that is worthy of praise. There's God, if nothing else, okay? Think continually on these things. Listen to this from the Amplified. Center your mind on them, okay? So this isn't just what I think about over here, and then I go right back to the center of all the ugly stuff. No, this is what I'm centered on. Center your mind on them, And, I love this, implant them in your heart. Does that speak to Mark chapter 4 or what? Implant these good things in your heart. How are you going to know that happens? Because when you get around people that are all negative, you're going to be able to encourage them. You're going to be able to come with good things. You're going to be able to say, yeah, but, you know, there's this really, this is God's doing this over here. It's really great. It's really awesome. Okay? You'll be able to come with good things. The words of your mouth will change. The, the pictures, your dreams will change. Everything will change. And then it goes on, it says, the things which you have learned, I love this, and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in daily life. And the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. So he essentially is saying, here's all this instruction. Now do it. You got to do it. Just reading it is good, gives you the idea, but we have to do it. It's the doer of the word that is blessed. It's, it's the person who builds their life on the foundation of that rock and actually builds something that produces something else. And I'm, I'm preaching this to me as much as to you. We all have this choice to make every single day. It'll empower your prayer life. It'll fix a lot of your relationships. There will be things that have to shift in your life, no doubt, if you're going to live this way, you can't just take in all the garbage and expect not to put out garbage. You can't, you know? And, and so we've got to choose. We've got to make time. We've got to make time to tear out weeds. Karen said this the other day. If you let weeds get established, they're much harder to get rid of than if you deal with them every time they come up. You deal with one, then you don't have to deal with a hundred that have deeper roots. And it's absolutely true. It's the same thing with negative things that come into our hearts and into our life. If we've got to deal with them, and sometimes that's painful, and sometimes, you know, oh, I don't have time, I'll do it tomorrow. No, you better do it today. Because that bugger's going to put out a bunch more seed if you let it sit there. Okay, does this make sense to you? So let's all clean up our gardens and... And take in good seed and all that stuff. Stand up and pray this morning. All right, let me look at my watch here. 10.58, two minutes, two minutes early. All right, let's pray. Father, Lord, I love your word. We love your word. Father, and even when it challenges us, it is for our good. Lord, everything you say to us is for our good. It's to help us, Lord, to produce good fruit for you. And Lord, our desire on this earth is to partner with you in your kingdom and the expansion of your kingdom right where we live. So yeah, we take this in to our own hearts. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to I, I ask you, I'll ask you for me, Lord, show me, show me when I'm getting off on something I shouldn't get off. I'm giving it too much time. I'm giving it my attention. Show me. Lord, so that I can cut that thing off right then. I can begin to meditate on the things we just discussed. Lord, Holy Spirit, show us, help us. 
We know you do it. We know you will do it. And, and this morning, we just make a commitment to you that we will respond to what you say and what you do. Lord, I want to pray specifically for anybody here, anybody out online, anybody who hears this message later that has a struggle with worry, that lives in anxiety, Lord. It's having a physical effect on their life. It's having a physical effect on their body. It's, it's harmful to their relationships. And Lord, we lift those people up to you this morning. And we come against that anxiety. We pray they would recognize it as an enemy in their life. And that, Lord, you would personally teach them a different way. A different way to think. Holy Spirit, come and show us. Bring us back. Bring the testimonies of your faithfulness back to us. Bring other testimonies to us. Lord, help us to feed on who you are and what you do every single day. Lord, and I, I just pray, Father, come against that fear getting lodged in people's hearts in Jesus' name. The Lord, we would be a bold people. We would be a courageous people. We would be a people of faith and of hope and of love. And I thank you for that today. And that that is what we would spread in our world in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So good to see you all. It's good. It's always good to get home. Let's, uh, on the count of three, we're going to be dismissed. We'll say Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin of the world. There's some great snacks out there this morning. So I encourage you to partake. All right. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. Amen. You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.